Hey everyone, you're listening to the Dirty Side F1 podcast. I am Luke. And I'm Keon. And we're here to divulge, digress, and dissect the 2018 Monza Formula One. That's right, we're going to give you three Ds of, uh, of action here on our podcast. <laughs> That's a lot of Ds. That's a lot of Ds. Kick us off, Keon. It was such a fucking fantastic race, so... Yeah, I would say, honestly, and a lot of people have made this comment, um, if you are new to Formula One or if you don't watch Formula One, you're interested in why people would watch such a thing as Formula One, this is the race to show them. This is the race to show an F1 virgin what it's all about. 100% agree. It it had everything. We had top field battles, midfield battles, everything. Absolutely. Literally all of the things that you would want in a race. There was strategy, there was tire degradation, qualifying paid, played a huge role. There were overtakes um, and it, it was edge of the seat action from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it, it just had everything. It had a, a beautiful mix of, of exactly what you just said. And it was again, um, and we mentioned this in our last episode, this continues the trend of the 2018 season, bringing us races where you you don't expect the race to be exciting and it's exciting. You expect the race to be fantastically interesting and and really engrossing and it's a boring processional race. It's like we're in bizarro land. Yeah, we are. And like Monza usually serves up, it's it's a high speed track for starters, Monza. Um, It's a power circuit. It benefits the uh, team with a better engine. Yeah, it powers that. So like it, it's the the fact that and you uh, qualify on pole and you usually win. You usually win. You if, if you're good enough to get a good start and uh, you don't lock up, you don't have flat spots on your tires. You can usually control the race with a good engine. Uh, you can maintain those straights, maintain those gaps, as as we've seen in the, in the past few years. And like you said, we're in the fucking bizarro world of Formula One right now, Keon. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm. I'm not really complaining because we're getting a lot of good races, but it's not the races that we expect to be interesting. Yeah, which is interesting. And it's cool. It's cool to see some like uh, cool overtakes and cool theatrics on. Yeah, uh, at Monza. Yeah, Monza. which is like there's. It's not even wide enough <laughs> for no, overtakes it's normally. A track right? that was built in like the twenties. Like yeah, it, it wasn't designed for these types of, uh, of yeah. cars. I mean, obviously they've made modifications, but uh, yeah. it's. Yeah. It was. So let me ask you. And um, this is not just rhetorical. I wonder if you can actually remember when was the last time there was uh, a battle, like where all the battles in a race were literally for the lead of the race. How many races have we seen where it's like midfield battles, and they're like yeah. they're, not, they're not even focusing on the lead driver because because it's, it's Vettel and it's boring. Exactly, and I mean <laughs> we've turned like they have to turn to the midfield <clears throat> battles when we, when it's when it's being televised because <clears throat> that's the only. Uh, battle that yeah. where they're exchanging blows and you're interested in these midfielders of, mm. of, of Haas and, and Sauber and whatnot. Uh, Renault, yeah. And, and, Renault. and literally this this race, they had to break away from all the excitement that was happening at the front to like show us a little bit of the mid- midfield action yeah. because like it was it was just a drag to do that. Like you had to like show some other teams. I don't know yeah. if they have deals with sponsors, but essentially this race, like from start to finish, was just completely gripping and engrossing, and it was down to the wire. It was insane how close it was. It was. So should we start off with uh, qualifying? Yeah, I think we should because not just because qualifying precedes the race, but in Monza, <laughs> Monza is really important, right? A lot of like Monaco, for example, qualifying on pole is really important. So. Monza is very, you know, dependent on your starting position, typically, right? Yes, typically. Yeah. Um, and this time, like, I would say qualifying was very, very interesting. Oh, I was on the edge of my goddamn seat, Keon, like, the edge. Yeah, it was, I, I yeah, I was, 
I definitely, I was yelling at the screen, um, just watching what happened in Q3. So essentially there was a bit of controversy and I'll tr- we'll try to get into why it's, it shouldn't be that controversial. But what happened was drivers typically get um, uh, teammates. They exchange toe giving services to each other. Essentially the driver in front is not at an advantage because the driver behind gets to slipstream and a track like Monza really, it actually, it's not perfect to be behind a car. Like we know that it's no. hard to pass, to pass. It's hard on your tires in the corners. It's difficult, but Monza has so many straights that getting a toe from your teammate is actually going to improve your laptop. Yeah, it's impossible. And just for our listeners, uh, a slipstream just a very, very quickly five seconds is, is air that's coming out from the car that is in front. It enables you behind to gain a speed advantage and be faster than that car and then to pull out. You're basically, yeah, because you're basically traveling in the bubble. Yes. The the front car, if you imagine like trying to drive through a field where it's just snowed and there's a lot of snow, the front car is basically shoveling the snow. Yes. And the rear car is driving in the wake. So there are a lot of, I mean, it's much more complicated than that. It is more complicated, but just for our listeners, that's what the slipstream does. And the slipstream's... uh, played a vitally important role in, in our qualifying Q3. Yeah, so what happened was, I mean, this was the shock. Um, in, in the very final flying lap of Q3, uh, Hamilton is on pole. He breaks the lap, lap record. Uh, and then immediately after, Vettel pips him for pole. And immediately after that, Kimi's right behind Vettel. He's had the toe and he beats Vettel. So... First of all, there is the shock of Kimi being on pole, period, because the last time he was on pole was 2017 Monaco. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit like people say it's it's shocking. Um, I would say that it's not surprising in the sense that all, th- all throughout the year he's been fast and he has had great sectors, but never able to string all three of his personal no. bests together into a lap. And he will always mess something up in one of the sectors, usually the final sector. It's, in yeah, Q3. it's usually the final sector where he can't yeah. get that little bit right. So he, he'll make a mistake, but he's definitely, he's not a slow driver. He's shown the speed. He's just not able to hook it all up together. And he did yeah. this time. So part of the controversy was that uh, they were saying Ferrari re- really should have had Kimi in front towing That's Sebastian. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, Vettel did come out after and say, essentially, we have very clear rules. We exchange uh, from race to race which driver is going to be in front. But before that, when he, when they were notified, when because uh, Sebastian thought that he was on pole, yeah, he that thought was, he was on pole, and um, that was my favorite they, moment. Yeah, <laughs> Keon was salivating. Um, <laughs> it was so. Sebastian was, thought that he was on pole, uh, and then he was told that Kimi was, mm-hmm. and Vettel came out and said something which kind of irritated me. Uh, he he said, goes, "We need to talk, yeah, or we'll speak after." Something stupid in that stoic, yeah. fucking, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. it, I, I was like, "Okay, all right, fair enough." He then later came out and uh, said that, like what you just said here, that he. That they have very clear orders and, and team rules about how how they go about it at Ferrari, but it, it, it's seen, and then he said uh, as a tag along to that, I think he was making up for something. He says, "Oh, I was angry about something else," and or 
He's a, he's a, to the media, uh, I'm obviously angry, but I'm not going to tell you what, what it's about. What it's, yeah. I, and I think that's probably because, um, for PR reasons, maybe whatever he was angry about, he felt would not be good for the team or he would get in trouble expressing his displeasure. Cause like that, that thing that he said about the team exchanging duties, he said, that's the rule that they follow, but like, he probably wasn't happy with it. No, he wasn't. I think he was backtracking on that and he tried to make up some other Fantasal, fa- fantasy, fantastical, goddammit, <laughs> fantastical sort of uh, reason as to why uh, he, he was upset. He spat the dummy um, because he, in his head, I, Vettel is the type of person that has these things where he wants to be, have the, the most number of polls and, and records and this and that. Yeah, he and cares about numbers. He, he really cares does. about numbers. And being a German driver for Ferrari, at Monza, it's going through his head. So to not get pole and to be pipped by yeah, uh, Raikkonen, absolutely. he because spat that's, the dummy like a little because, <laughs> because it, really be is, it really is um, an important race to get right. He is trailing Hamilton and that gap is, you know, not, it's not in his favor. He really has to, he has to win these races. And especially at the Ferrari home race for him not, not to get pole was upsetting. And what's interesting is he thought that he had pull, like you mentioned. On the radio, he actually said, yes! And then his uh, mechanic is like, P2, P2, Kimmy on pole. <laughs> and immediately after, Vettel's like, we'll speak after. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it, it shows the, um, I think it shows the uglier side of, uh, of Vettel's personality that people get to see the, the, the guy that, I've met him briefly and he's got a backpack on like a little fucking kid. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he can be quite that sort of innocent, charming, but that just showcases, I think, this, this other side to Vettel, this dirty side to him. Just as much as you get, like, dirty air behind a car, this is dirt, Vettel's dirty air that, that we're seeing. Well, I don't, I don't think... I think this is just, a, you know, an emotional reaction. Hamilton Hamilton is guilty of, of doing uh, far worse this season. Like, remember that race where he literally accused Ferrari of interesting tactics that, like, Kimi had dive-bombed him on purpose? Yeah, but that's and- that's fine because you're you're spitting fire at another team. When you're, when you're trying to spit fire... Within your, your own team, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's uh, Hamilton did that with Rosberg too. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm just, true. I'm just pointing that out. Like, yeah, no, that's true. I'm it's, definitely not a Vettel fan. Who hates Vettel more here, me or you? I thought it was you, Keon. <laughs> yeah. uh, hate is a strong word. Yeah, or dislike. Hate is a strong word, but accurate. <laughs> no. no, I mean I have to give it to Vettel. He's an amazing driver. He's actually very well spoken. Um, he's an intelligent driver, and he's very good. But uh, I just, he's not entertaining to me. Hamilton at least is entertaining. His character is entertaining. By far the most entertaining character to me and has always been was Kimmy. Just his like, don't give a fuck attitude. But I would say in this case. I say that Verstappen's coming up close <laughs> and we'll discuss discuss that reason why later on. Verstappen has a, a, a nice little cameo in today's uh, <laughs> podcast for his little dalliances. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, so essentially we're, we're still talking about that, that pole position. So Kimi is on pole, and it's been a long time since he's been on pole, but he's actually been fast all season. He's just like made mistakes, and this time he didn't make a mistake, and he did benefit from a toe. However, I will point out, Vettel knew that he was going to be in front. It wasn't a surprise that, no, that Ferrari right. forced him to. And he was actually waiting to time, and they, they often play mind games like this, waiting to time his, his um, exit from the garage to get in his final lap or get on the track to do his outlap. 
and trying to time it so as soon as another driver goes by, you get right behind them and benefit from from the tow. He was trying to get a tow from Hamilton. And apparently, they messed it up, and somehow science got in between during the outlap, and he had to pass science to get close to Hamilton. And Hamilton was a little too far away, so he got a tow, but it was a distant tow. Yeah, it wasn't because, the tow that uh, Raikkonen got for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I was a little bit irritated because I'm like, oh, they're just taking away this like well-earned, you know, um, glory of Kimi qualifying on pole by saying, oh, well, it's because of the toe and if it was reversed. Excellent and granted, point. if it was reversed, Vettel would probably be on, be on pole as well. However, let's point, let's point one thing out. He did have a partial toe from Hamilton and his lap was actually not good. No. Um, we, and he mentioned that too. Yeah, and I think you're totally right. Um, they're trying to take it kind of like it was, it was, they were, they were taking it away from Kimmy a little bit, which is a little upsetting because he's such a fan favorite. I know we say this so many times and our listeners must be uh, getting sick of it, but we, Kimmy is such a fan favorite. So to have them take it away, but Vettel, you're right. He didn't put in the, the most precise. No, it wasn't a clean lap. And he actually said, I wasn't happy with my lap. My previous laps were better. And he, he takes a different, he was taking a different strategy. I remember, mm. um, someone was saying that he, he was going slightly more wide on one of the corners to then uh, get better on one of the straights and forgive me for not being able to give you the corners mm. and the names, but, um, he was going a little bit more wide than what usual, than what the other drivers were. So he was taking a bit of a different approach to strategy in terms of how he would uh, uh, approach racing Monza. So that may have had something to do with it too. Yeah, it was, um, you de- it, it, it just, when you saw the parts of the lap that they actually televised, it wasn't very clean, I no. found. Kimmy's was actually the, when you watched the onboards. And so there was also, let's talk a little bit about, there was a lot of fanfare around this because all three drivers that were on well, on pole, like provisional pole for for Hamilton and, and Vettel, and then Raikkonen actually on pole, they all smashed the previous like lap record and earned fastest lap in F1 history. Yes. I'm not sure what makes it the fastest lap if it's the highest average speed or the lowest time, but regardless, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya in a Williams set that in like 2004 or something. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And and it has held since then. And remember the engines they had there were way more powerful in 2004. Yeah, I, I so, think it's the advancement of, of aero probably. Yeah, and engine technology yeah. and, the, and the hybrid turb, turbo hybrid uh, era, but let's um, let's talk about how Hamilton and Vettel had that record for like a split second, and then <laughs> Kimi came and took it. And what's great is they asked Kimi like, "How do you t- how do you feel about setting like the you know fastest lap in F one history?" And he was like, mm, no. yeah. <laughs> "Not much, really. Not much. Taking a shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the, good. I wanted to um, I just wanted to briefly play the uh, just to like to distinguish Kimi's style from. Sebastian style when whenever Sebastian wins something gets on the radio and he starts making these like weird children's songs and da 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 yeah it's uh, grazie it's, grazie ragazzi it's if he's doing that, like an advertising campaign for fucking Kinder Surprise or and something. trying to like rub everyone's faces in the fact that he learned some Italian like yeah. okay you're European most Europeans speak multiple languages <laughs> we're really not that impressed <laughs> go although, back to the Kinder factory and although make some toys. Kim, Kim, Kimmy can, can barely speak English so you know <laughs> but this is so the difference between you know celebrating on the radio uh, after you know getting pole position or winning a race and just doing these weird bizarre you know, uh, made up syllable songs. This is, this is a, uh, how this, this is Kimmy's reaction. Is it, you're on board. Right here. 
<laughs> that's it. Thank you. Thank He's you. a man of very few words. Yeah, I think that's why we we appreciate and adore the man so much. Just from a, a, a yeah, and they a, showed. Did you see his um? Uh, they showed his wife and she was like tearing up. After. That was quite nice. Yes, yeah. I saw that. Um, and she got a big, big old hug from Maurizio Arrivabene, yeah. who is, uh, you know, definitely like a, a friend of Kimmy's as team principal, but they have a good relationship. Just seeing his wife's emotional reaction, I wasn't really sure what to think because people were saying behind the scenes, oh, she's crying because he doesn't have a, he already doesn't have a contract for next year. And that's bullshit. And, and anyway, so. At, at the very least, you could tell that she knows how important this is. Like he's yeah. been, he's been really fast this year, but he's got a lot of criticism and all this talk of Leclerc, and he basically set an amazing, you know, amazing lap, and he it was well deserved. Yeah, it showed him why he's Kimi Raikkonen and yeah. why he's won a world championship, and that he's still a force to be reckoned yeah, with. Yeah, let's 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 point out that he won a world championship in a year where Hamilton and Alonso were one point shy yeah. of beating him. That was a difficult year, and had a better car. Yeah. And yeah, 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 you're right. It's uh, it was a nice poignant moment, and um, it was uh, it was good. It was good for Kimi to. To get that to be on pole, it was, to, it was to be on pole was and to get that record at, at Ferrari's home race. Like that was it was tremendous. Yeah. Right? So, so then we get to the race, and uh, and actually in the in the build up to the race, uh, there were some interviews with uh, Seb, and where Seb was saying, "Well, I guess Kimi is allowed to win because he qualified on pole." It was kind of like a little petulant, but also I'm not going to say respectful, but he basically said, "No, there's no team orders." And that's okay. But he kind of insinuated, he was like, well, I guess I'm going to be, you know, fighting my teammate as well as all the yeah, other cars. Yeah, or, uh, you know, maybe we expect him to move move aside. I'm the one <clears throat> with the championship uh, credentials. But he here. didn't, he never actually came out and said, you know, team orders. Uh, no. But uh, that he's pro team orders. He said, like, like we're, that's not going to happen. But the, so the interesting thing was Kimmy's P1 and uh, it was Seb P2, Lewis P3. So they start the race and immediately Vettel tries to path like totally like granted that's what you got to do. That's you what, I think it was it looked over aggressive. It looked like he was he tried overtly yeah. too hard. Yeah, he was right on uh, Kimmy's wing and then pulled to the to the outside and was a little optimistic and Kimmy actually just refused to give up his ground and actually locked up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, locked up his I think believe it was front his right. right. Front right. Yeah. It was his front right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, people like Martin Brundle was going insane, saying he's got a huge flat spot now. It's going to be a big disadvantage. I think Kimmy actually even said on the radio, he's like, man, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's a little bit of flat spot, flat spot but who cares? Or no, in the interview, he said that yeah. later. Yeah, and it wasn't enough to affect him because he certainly defended. Well, yeah, because he the, when he pit, he changed tires. So like it wasn't like a really long stint anyway. Right? No. So he, he defended and forced, basically... Uh, Sebastian tried to take take him um, optimistically was out of posi- found himself out of position and that allowed uh, in the second or third turn Hamilton to come and try to, to pass him yeah and Hamilton actually picked up a very very good slipstream uh, behind yeah. Vettel it was he didn't have no DRS but he mm-hmm. Hamilton was absolutely flying like flying he picked yeah. up a great slipstream there was a really good overhead shot where you can see that yeah and um that was the one you can, of, you can almost see the air molecules getting out of the way <laughs> and sucking Hamilton in yeah. right right onto his uh, it looks quite tail. unbelievable um which was one of two slipstreams that that Hamilton picked up from a Ferrari um the, the second one being behind a Raikkonen as well so on like the third lap so Hamilton tried to take 
he basically uh, like executed a good move and multiple shots have corroborated this. People have analyzed this. The stewards have analyzed it and everybody said Hamilton was totally in the right. He right, was not, let's talk about this. He was not squeezing Vettel. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and Vettel, there's debate on what happened there. Um, people said that it was a, a little bit of like brain fade again. Uh, other people have other people have pointed out that Vettel had some understeer and basically understeered into Hamilton's side pod, lost part of his front wing. Yeah. Luckily, Hamilton was okay. Um, and, and in that incident, usually Hamilton should have really spun out, not not Vettel. So that was quite yeah, it, quite strange. It's because of where he hit him. He hit him with the wheel on the left side pod of the Mercedes. Yeah, so. and it was just uh, how do you say like. Having Vettel have that, I mean, Hamilton didn't, Hamilton kept his race line. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the replays, Hamilton doesn't try to squeeze or anything. He gave enough space. He held his line. Uh, it was a game of chicken. I, I think a little bit of game of chicken. Ham, Vettel, think, Vettel went for it yeah. and lost out. So, and people have pointed this out. So this is interesting. <clears throat> Vettel is under pressure now because he's really falling behind. After he dropped Hockenheim, that was like a turning point. And the fact that he dropped it was like serious uh, lack of, uh, I don't know, I guess like concentration. He just didn't have the sports psychology. He didn't have the the mental aptitude. So now he's on the back foot and people have pointed out that when Vettel is under pressure, he does not turn into a greater driver the way that Hamilton does. And Sunday showed us that. He makes mistakes. And... It reminded me of that optimistic pass he tried to execute. Uh, was it in Baku where he tried to pass for the lead, locked up, went into the runoff area, and ended up like <clears throat> in sixth or something like that? Yeah. Like he lost a lot of places. This was in a way similar to that because I feel like he was almost, he believed that he just deserved the position and yeah. that Hamilton should move aside. And he, they, they collided and he basically paid the price for it. He spun completely, he lost part of his front wing. I tell you what I think, Keon, is that I think he was actually underdone before the race even started. I think he was underdone by qualifying. I think that whole qualifying um, rattled his brain to the fucking... Yeah, he was not He was not happy No, to he, not be starting first. Exactly. He was not in a headspace to start that race to begin with. It's like he needed a week off just to, <laughs> to, to process what happened in qualifying. Yeah, I love... I just... That's what really... Yeah, I, I don't like it when people... people believe that they just deserve to be in front. Like if you do not perform better on the day and yes, you didn't get as good of a toe as Kimmy did, but you also drove a shit lap. Yeah. And it's just bullshit how we're, we're having to bring the toe, the toe thing was brought up because yeah, if this was Vettel, it's upsetting, it, yeah. it wouldn't have been brought up at all. And it's, and it's just sad. And like, you know, I, I'm indifferent to Vettel really. Mm. I'm not like you, Keon, but <laughs> Um, I don't mind him, but he really just showed his, uh, some nastiness yeah. about him this weekend. I think he's, he's always been very respectful of Kimmy and he t- speaks highly of him and he wants him to continue as his teammate and they have a good relationship and similar driving styles. But I think this was like, I don't think it was really dirty or underhanded. I think he was just kind of being a little petulant and, you know, totally upset like a, like a kid who's toy has been taken away just for one race yeah and he's like oh i'm gonna pull and, <laughs> and he tried to try to take it back okay like they're all racing drivers and he's trying to win a championship obviously he's going to try to pass kimmy that's clear right that's what's and in, and, and what's but what's so interesting though so interesting about this race is that the team orders that we expect from ferrari 
do not seem to be happening. Yeah. And the team orders that we don't expect from Mercedes appear to be happening. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. I think maybe Ferrari, it's funny that Mercedes is doing that. I think because the team order issue was that really came about. Remember during the Weber and Vettel days, when team orders were, were happening yeah, yeah. and it was causing <clears throat> it costs. I mean, they eventually, Vettel yeah. ended up winning the championship, but Didn't they Vettel had to, disobey team orders at one point And then Weber was like furious. Yeah. Like, and the whole Monty 21 saga where they were saying Monty 21, 21, which meant because Weber at the time was a number two driver, Vettel was number one. So Monty 21 meant, sorry, reverse that. Vettel was number two yeah. and Weber was number one. They said Monty 21, which meant Vettel go ahead. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of teams looked at that and going how toxic the team mm-hmm. orders can be. And Well, I mean, Ferrari took a lot of flack for team orders uh, in the Schumacher era where Barrichello had to like move aside and people got really upset, right? And that's understandable because you're kind of fixing like the your you match fixing in a sense, like you're saying, Oh, it's better for us if this driver wins. So the other driver is just going to be like, Oh, I'm all of a sudden I'm slower. Yeah. It's like Don King fixing a fucking boxing event. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, but I found that really interesting. And in a way, like we said that Monza was a great advertisement for the sport right now. Uh, it was actually the team orders aspect of it was incredibly exciting because it wasn't team orders, like saying, but us move aside or, Hey, Valtteri and Lewis stop racing. Yeah. It was more like, and, and, and Bottas actually stated afterwards, he was like, well, it wasn't really t- like, it, it didn't really, um, affect his race negatively. It no. actually, it actually, he was doing all right and he was helping Hamilton at the same time. And then he was able to catch up to, uh, Verstappen. Afterwards. Yeah. So it made sense. And, and like, uh, I mean, can we, can we touch on, on Hamilton and, and, uh, and his race? He had, uh, he overtook. So, like, on mm. what lap was that? Third or fourth? After oh, the safe- so, so there was there was a safety car. Safety car, and the safety car was uh, because of Hartley's Toro Rosso, I think. Yeah, and it happened way down. Something- Somebody like smashed his wheel, or he got a puncture right away. Yeah, yeah. and it was almost like unnoticeable, and then it was like, oh shit, safety cars out because we were so yeah. ingrained with what was happening at the front yeah. that what was happening <clears throat> at the back, and the fact that the safety car deployed, so it was like, okay, safety car yeah. deployed, and then on the restart. Hamilton Fucking was on fire. Flew. Yeah. Wow, man. Like it, it looked, he, he wasted no time in, uh, in overtaking Kimmy. And then again, I think Kimmy sh- like showing his worth, uh, you know, went for a couple of corners and then took that position back yeah. splendidly. That was so some people actually forgot that happened because it happened so early in the race. But I will say that that was, I saw when I saw Hamilton go by, I was a little heartbroken because I was really cheering for Kimmy to win this race, um, to have a good race, race this year, finally. And when I saw Hamilton blow past, and I was like, clean, clean overtake, really impressive. Uh, I was like, oh, God, now Kimmy's just going to like, it's going to be processional, he's going to be following. What was amazing, though, is that when Hamilton got in front, immediately Kimmy darted to his left. You saw him have a look, and I was like, oh, Maybe maybe this is going to be different. He's not just going to accept that he lost a place, and the old the Kimmy of old is going to return. Yeah, and literally two corners later, he takes the position back with a really clean overtake. And it I, was beautiful. And I want to say two things. Number one, this that's the first time I've ever heard 
cheering, like fans cheering in response to something happening in a race. Like if you're watching like a football match or something like that, you hear someone score or something cool happen. You hear the crowd goes wild. Uh, when was the last time you heard applause from a track, like only at Monza with the Tifosi? Yeah. Like they were so loud cheering that it was almost like spine tingling when Kimi took that position. Back. Yeah. It was insane. They, you could hear that on the, on, on televised as watching just this, this raw. It, I mean, like absolutely they were, raw. The, the, tr- the microphones, the track microphones picking up the engine noises for that shot picked up the sound of the roaring. Thousands crowd, right? of, so, uh, of Ferrari fans. Uh, that was, it was, and then the second thing I want to point out is, uh, these are two drivers who are very experienced, Hamilton and Kimi Räikkönen, and the overtaking, like that pass and the repass was so clean. It was hard racing, but it was fair. They gave each yeah. other room. There was, there were no dirty tricks involved. And it was, it was like, really a pleasure to watch. Yeah. It was like louder and hunt, yeah. you know, watching louder and hunt. Back in the in in the seventies and eighties, just going wheel to wheel, respectfully racing. Yeah, each it reminded other. it almost reminded me of uh, Gilles Villeneuve and Rene Arnoux. Uh, there was like a Ferrari Renault battle, and there was one I can't remember which race it was. They passed each other so many times, like one one gets ahead and the other one repasses, and they just like flip back and forth so many times. It was really exciting to watch. And some of them were optimistic moves where like one of the drivers would be kind of off the track or, you know, on, onto the grass, but they were, it was kind of respectful racing. Yeah. And watching this, I was like, you know what? You don't see that kind of st- stuff anymore. Like certainly not from like Max, you know? No. Just- and like, that's the thing is that, uh, maybe from even Vettel in his early days, even, even sometimes now, like, um, even, even Weber, even Weber was a little bit, uh, guilty of it too. Um, you don't see these these respectful bouts, you know. It's it's they're just trading blows for blows and yeah. and in a respectful manner where they can raise inches from each other wheel to wheel and yeah. uh, and know that the other one is not going to do something stupid. Verstappen's not there yet. You're right, <laughs> yeah. but I believe in yeah. my boy, and I'll tell you why he's my boy now. I I love Verstappen. Um, later later on in the race, um. Yeah, we, we differ on this, but I'll let you I'll let you speak your piece. Yeah, so later on in the race, Verstappen had a, a little bit of a... He touched with uh, with Bottas. Yeah, you could say he had a little tiff with Bottas, <laughs> right? Yeah. Touched, touched, tiffed, same yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, he was told that um, <laughs> he had to do... Give up the position back. Give up the position to, to Bottas, which meant... And Vettel was actually, Vettel had uh, pitted. He was climbing his way back up, Vettel was. And uh, mm-hmm. at that point, was Vettel fifth, Bottas fourth? Vettel was, I think Vettel was fifth, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Vettel was fifth, Bottas was fourth, Verstappen mm-hmm. third. Yeah. And uh, they were telling him, you're going to have to give up the place. And I don't care, I don't care. I, I you know, I don't care if it's going to wreck my time because... Yeah. I don't care that I'm losing time to Vettel, uh... I'm, you know, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. And he made a little quip about why do they have to... Oh yeah, they're they're killing racing. They're killing racing. Now, you see, this is, I think it's just good. It, it, it's kind of like we've got an angry Kimmy. Mm-hmm. We've got someone that doesn't give a shit. And Oh yeah, that, that, that's one element that they, that they share is they both do not, do not give a shit. Yeah, and I think that's why um, Verstappen is my boy from from uh, this weekend onwards. <laughs> I, 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 I love the kid. He... 
he doesn't give a shit, and he's got he, yeah, he's got some anger management issues to work out. Um, but I think he just takes yeah, he's impatient. So let, okay, let's contrast that. Like I've seen not in this race, but in, in other races, Max has been trying anxious to overtake someone, and he drives it too early in the wrong spot, and then falls back the order, goes off, or something like that. This race, and like we need to devote some time to how Hamilton actually won this race. This race was a perfect example of. Uh, a driver at the at the top of his game, Hamilton, basically managing the race, keeping your target within range, yep, and just waiting patiently, stalking, stalking your yeah. prey until the time was right to do the overtake. Like he waited until it was the perfect time, and then he executed the move. He it just was- did not let let Kimi uh, pull a gap. Like he stayed with him. Yeah, it was perfect. It was. Uh, a flawless, I would say it's a flawless race from, from Hamilton. Yeah. He, uh, I would say it's a flawless race from Hamilton and from Bottas and above all from the Mercedes strategists. Yes, absolutely. It was, uh, Ham- Hamilton, you're right. It shows, showcases Hamilton at the top of his game to, to manage that gap. Hamilton's known to burn through the rubber of his tires. Yeah. Or, and- or he used to, but I mean. He, oh, so let's talk about the tires. The, he still see, doesn't manage his tires, Greg. That's the thing. So this race had team orders, which were actually interesting to watch, like yeah. the team strategy. Uh, it also had tire degrade, degradation really play, but also strategically tire degradation. So what I, we're, we're kind of all over the place here, but essentially what happened was Kimi was in front, and then uh, Mercedes started the whole roller coaster. By, and Hamilton was right behind him. They pretended that they were going to bring Hamilton in. So yes. the and, and this is quasi-legal because you're not supposed to have your crew out because it, it endangers themselves and other drivers. It's you're a not safety supposed to have issue that. at the end it's of the day. It's a safety issue unless you're actually pitting your car. But people can get around it by saying, oh, we were going to, and then we changed our minds. Yes. So they went out to pretend they were bringing Hamilton in. And the Ferrari just like hook, line, and sinker, they, they bought it and they were like, oh shit, we have to pit now. And the reason they were, uh, they were, they wanted to avoid the undercut. So they pit Kimi and Kimi comes in and then Mercedes is like, tells ha- uh, Hamilton, okay, stay out. It's hammer time. They yeah. actually say it's hammer time. <laughs> and then, and that's then, right. And then Hamilton puts in some blistering laps. Yes. And, and then, so then disadvantage at that point, because Kimi has changed his tires a little earlier than they expected. And also let's point out one of the reasons that Ferrari lost this race was because they brought two sets or maybe three sets of super softs in total between both drivers. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, softs, not most of the, mostly super softs. They only brought like two or three sets of softs, whereas Mercedes brought more. So they, they had so few, so few of those that they didn't even run them. And they had no data on it. No. So because because of what happened in the race uh, and how it unfolded, they had to use those tires, and they just they were not the, the Ferrari was not set up to use those tires in a good way. No, and they I, were too hard on them. And I mean, it's just it show, this is uh, again I said this in the last episode for our listeners that it's the old gold standard of Ferrari's clumsy approach to their strategy and they're reactionary. They're very reactionary in their mm-hmm. strategy. It's like oh. Oh my God, what are they doing? All right, we have to do this. And it's costing them day in, day out. It's costing them. And their chief strategist needs to be fired. I don't know who (laughs) it is. I'm going to YouTube it or Wikipedia it as soon as this this (laughs) episode's finished. But I I just find that it's reactionary. Did Mercedes do quasi-legal? Do I agree with it? 
No, I don't. I, I believe that you probably get one get out of jail free card <laughs> to do that each year. And Mercedes has definitely used that up. But, but they like, okay. So yeah, they weren't reactionary. They, they made a move, they made a chess move and it, and it worked, but it put them in a position where they, they had confidence that Hamilton was able to like put in those strong laps. And then essentially they pressured Kimmy and they pressured Ferrari. Ferrari told Kimmy to start putting in some crazy times on those tires that were like brand new. They had no data on it. He pushed a little too hard. And actually what the strategist I believe should have said was, we know you're going to come up against Bottas pretty soon. You're going to be stuck behind him. What is the point of putting uh, your, your new tires through the ringer just to catch up to Bottas? Who's like a moving roadblock. Yes. And if they had been like, okay, like, run the math and have been like, okay, put in these times a little bit less. So he didn't pressurize the tires so much, put them under so much pressure. Then he would be in a position where when Bottas finally had to pit, he would actually not be completely destroyed. No, and he ended up getting gangbanged by the two yeah. Mercedes. It was a, it was a pincer movement or a gangbang, depending on it was, uh, I'm going to say it's a gangbang. <laughs> he had two Mercedes and they yeah. were both, in front and behind him, and yeah. uh, it was masterfully executed. It was. It was. Uh, you know, Mercedes have got their strategy right. At the end of the day, I believe that Ferrari has the strongest car. Yeah, I personally believe that Ferrari has yeah. the strongest car on the grid right now. Mercedes won this race because they were smarter. Yeah, because they're smarter, and that's that's what gives you a complete package. It's it's your aero, it's your engine, yeah. and it's your strategy. And and so they, so they basically they had Valtteri back Kimi into Hamilton. So when Hamilton actually did his pit and he came out, he was five seconds behind now. So the yeah. lap, the gap was more because Kimi had pounded some laps out. But then he just like runs right into to Bottas. Bottas does not let him by. And obviously it's difficult to pass cars when you're in their wake. And the other brilliant strategy is they knew that if they got him right behind Bottas, it would destroy his tires. Not only did they pressure him into putting too much uh, into those tires in those laps, they also... Uh, he was suffering in, in Bottas' wake. It was killing his tires. It was killing him. And the whole time Hamilton is just coming up, coming up behind him yeah. and reeling him in like to a- the point where he was almost helpless. And on the final lap, they actually told Kimmy, they said, the tire, the data from the tires, the tire is near critical. Like yeah. literally, please nurse that car home <laughs> because it's she's going to blow any second. Yeah. And when they showed the pictures of the tires, it was insane. All right, and uh, all right. So let's just quickly bring it a strong, strong recovery for Vettel. Oh yeah, amazing recovery drive. Really good recovery drive yeah. from Vettel. Um, I think up to P four and like so. I, I don't know what the points deficit is, but he's still uh, still like in the, the hunt. Ga- the, still in the hunt, but the gap from uh, Hamilton increased the gap. Uh, yeah, increased the gap, and uh, just wanted to that. I think. Uh, Vettel's climb up that uh, up that ladder during during the race and how quickly he did it and what I wanted to reiterate a few weeks ago in compared with Bottas's climb up uh, this is that that showcases why the Ferrari has a stronger a stronger package at the moment um, Vettel was able to climb through that pack a lot quicker than than what Bottas was a few okay, weeks back. Okay, but let's compare like apples to apples here. Um, I don't think comparing Vettel to Bottas is the right comparison. We should compare him to Hamilton. And I believe Hamilton has done those drives from the back of the grid and carved through them just like Vettel did. Right. But I think I can't remember which race it was, but it was, it was impressive. But what I'm talking about in terms of the time that it takes to catch up in, in, in that time frame is that Ferrari, uh, especially in Monza. 
Yeah, I, yeah it like, is. It is a quicker. They had a, they had an advantage. They have a power advantage. They so got a it's power gonna it's gonna be much easier to pass on those straights. And he's getting DRS plus slipstream plus a better engine. So, yeah, that's very true. So he actually, but he drove excellently beyond that. Just that, that first lap mistake. Yeah. Um, and I would say also, I mean, technically, Kimi won driver of the day. I'm not sure what the criteria are there, but he did drive. Uh, an excellent race. Uh, he didn't really make any mistakes and he was under very difficult conditions because he was being gangbanged by the Mercedes, yeah, you know, uh, Vettel wasn't there to like, not that Vettel would help him, but Vettel be in the mix. In the mix to at yeah. least apply some pressure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I would say Raikkonen gets my driver of the day. I would say, I mean, I'm a huge Raikkonen fan, but I would, it's, I'm really split like between Raikkonen and Hamilton. Hamilton drove unbelievably yeah. to keep that Mercedes behind Kimmy's car between, I was watching live timing the whole time between 0.7 and 1.2 seconds. And it's hard to follow. No, it is it it, is hard to follow. And gotta, he did it in a way that did not completely destroy his tires. Like it was, no. I think Kimmy actually, if, if he did anything wrong, he got too close to Bottas and cause he was eager to pass him. And I think he should have actually like relaxed a little bit cause he knew that there was going to be yeah. a pit window and it would have, maybe managed his tires a little bit. But you could see that Kimmy was probably antsy too because he was having his first sniff in a while, right? And he and, wanted to win. And, and he, he wanted, wanted to, to win, win in Monza. You know, he's in a position, Kimmy, now where uh, his future's a little undecided and yeah. there's a lot of rumors going around and whatnot. Yeah. And and he felt, he felt mm. well, you know, to try and win Monza in a Ferrari, yeah. he's not sure if he's going to get that chance again. So, so that he actually played a factor into his mental. I, I uh, believe so too. And when Felipe Massa interviewed him on the podium, you could see like somebody pointed out that he, it seemed like Kimi took a little bit extra long, like waving to the fans, almost like he knew that this was his last time or waving could be. to the yeah. could be. So uh, let's cover that. I think we've covered the race, but I just want to br- very briefly talk about the, the driver market. There were for a while it was rumored that Kimi had a deal already signed, but it wasn't public, and Leclerc would wait another year. And then, but Sergio Marchionne, who passed away, had uh, was a outspoken proponent of putting Leclerc in that seat and booting out Raikkonen, and questioning Raikkonen's like commitment and all this kind of stuff. So he passed away, and then the the talk was, okay, now there are different people in charge of this decision. It's more likely that Kimi will stay, but. What's really strange is over the course of Monza, he put in this stellar performance, was on pole, could have won the race, but for Mercedes strategy. After the race, there was all this talk about how there was like a secret meeting uh, in Marinello and basically the new people in charge have decided to honor Marchionne's agreement and Leclerc will be in and Kimi will be out. And it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride because he's just put in this like fantastic performance. And people were saying, oh, well, his wife was crying because, you know, she knew the writing was on the wall. Some people were yeah. saying he was already told that he won't be driving, but there's been no official announcements. I don't think that's true. Personally. So, so I, I, I didn't know what to think, but I was pretty, you know, I, I would be upset if he wasn't on the grid next year. But then, especially with his performances this year, which have been great. But the latest rumor, which may, I mean, the the news will probably be out there. Who knows when Ferrari is going to announce it. But by the time you hear this, maybe this will be, you know, old news. But right now, the latest rumor is they're kind of bound 
by some sort of legal um, contract that was extended to Leclerc, but the way they might be trying to get around it. And let's say Mauricio Arrivabene and Vettel are both extremely pro-Kimi. Pro-Kimi. Vettel does not want to be unbalanced by this young upstart driver, like another Ricardo situation. Absolutely. That would destabilize Vettel. So Kimi's got Vettel in his corner for sure. And he's making, and Vettel's been making a lot of mistakes recently. So throw in uh, somebody like Gasly or Leclerc and you will, and Villeneuve Villeneuve pointed this out in the Beyond the Grid podcast, he said Vettel will try to, you know, put a young cub in there with a the line. He'll try to eat the young cub, yeah. which is not good for the young cub and it's not good for the team. No, it's not. And that's a destabilizing. If Ferrari want to win a championship with Vettel at the helm, they need, they need Kimi. They need Kimi and they don't need necessarily need Kimi supporting. They just need Kimi being Kimi and Kimi racing and putting pressure and just but being making him. the Mercedes make mistakes, taking yeah. points away from the Mercedes. And that's what Kimi can do best. You put a, a young driver and yeah. uh, suddenly you've got crashes also, coming out. Also, let's point this out. Kimi is really pivotal in developing that Ferrari. Absolutely. Um, you know, Vettel's known for his developmental chops too, but at, at the end of the day, Kimi's been around the block many times. And, and they, they have similar styles. They actually said that 90% of the time, like there's some few small differences, but they usually set the cars up similarly. And and uh, Vettel actually said in some races, if one of them is lost, which doesn't happen often, but if one of them really doesn't know what, what's going on, they can rely on the other one's setup yeah. because they're so similar in style. Yeah. And they really work well as a team. So I think it would be really strange. And I believe the people who matter are trying to keep Kimi in the team, but there's this whole legal question. So now the rumor is they may pay Leclerc what he was promised at Ferrari, but keep him as Sauber, pay his salary, and then do a swap at the end of 2019. And that makes total sense. To get, to, you know, to eke one more year out of Kimi, I think is, uh, will make me a, a happy Formula One fan. And, um, you know, I, I... I think it makes a lot of sense for... This is, know. again, goes down to strategy for Ferrari. This is a big strategy decision. Do they mm-hmm. get in a, another young driver or do they keep Kimi? And this will probably be one of their biggest strategic decisions yeah. in terms of them enabling Vettel to win a championship... Let's be realistic. Kimmy's not going to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not this year. Mm-hmm. I'll be surprised if he does next year. Yeah, so we know that Vettel's their main man. So why not? Don't fix something that ain't broke. It's an old old yeah. saying. And uh, and it's working really well this year. And it's so, working well. Vettel's, yeah. Vettel's not winning the championship because Vettel yeah. is not doing well under pressure. That's true. It's that, not, that's it's, the only reason. It's definitely not Kimmy's fault. <laughs> it's, it's not Kimmy's fault. It's yeah. not the car. It's yeah. Vettel. So... Get Vettel into a fucking into a camp where mm. he can, you know, yeah. get mentally better and not spit the dummy like a little. Yeah. And suddenly, <laughs> Ferrari might be world champions again. Yeah, it's true. But, and, uh, and I mean, it, I think the, it makes sense to keep him for another year. And that this talk now of switching him to uh, to Sauber, uh, basically swapping at the end of 2019, Kimi going to Sauber, and then potentially having a stake in the management of that team. These are totally unsubstantiated. That would be cool. I would love to see, love to see Kimi. Uh, well, he started his career in a Sauber. If he yeah. ended in a Sauber, it would be like a really nice bookend. It would be a nice bookend. And then just to see him then mm-hmm. still involved in Formula One, but from yeah. a team perspective. That'd be really cool. It would, it would be just awesome to see that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I basically, again, just to, we can't forget about Ricardo and the Red Bulls. Again, they just had a really shit, uh, well, if, especially for Ricardo, had, had a really crappy weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, D, a DNF for him, which further probably uh, reinstates Ricardo's decision that he he. Although, he ma- although he did, he's going to Renault, and the engine that blew up was a Renault engine. Yeah, it was a gearbox issue, wasn't they, it? They, I think they said it was a clutch. A clutch issue. And that's so Red Bull's fault. Yeah. I, I think just to touch on this quickly is that 
Um, Christian Horner has only so many uh, excuses before he starts, you know, in his little playbook. Before, so the, yeah, so many times saying, he can blame Renault. Right? Yeah, only so many times. So uh, that's going to be another interesting thing that's that's playing up. Um, but I think for today, I think we're we're done. We we covered yeah. something that was a fantastic race. Yeah, um, and it's uh, I would say it's the the poster boy race of this current season. Baku what? Baku was fantastic, and I would say Monza was even better. Where does it rank? For yeah. me, yeah. For for this year, yeah. I would say number one. Where would you put it? Uh, I would I would say number one too. Yeah, I would say. You, I would sound, say, you sound skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> what What's your number two? Because my number two is Baku. Your number two is Baku. Yeah. Um, fuck. I would say maybe the French Grand Prix. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh, was it Hungary where we Hungary, had we had wet qualifying? Wet qualifying. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. We're two thirds of the season out now, so yeah, not not too many races left. I'm actually really excited for Singapore. Yeah. So we'll get together in a week and record our Singapore episode. But yeah, I'm and very interested to see what happens at the start. Yeah, it's going to be good because this is a uh, a Red Bull a Red Bull strong track, the Yas Marina. So yeah. everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you, and we'll uh, see you in a week. Bye-bye.